All right, are you ready for some guest speakers? Right, I want to invite Megan up. Megan was going to come and speak. She'll be first. Give her a hand. Welcome, Megan. Okay, good evening, everyone. Um, if we let us pray first. Father God, I thank you that as I stand up here and share my testimony and my weakness, you'll make me strong and you'll be the one glorified here tonight. Amen. Okay, for, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Megan and I have two beautiful daughters, Brittany, 22, and Grace, 12. And we've been living here in Tauranga for the last three years. I'm originally from Gisborne and we grew up on a small farm close to the city, next to a primary school, so we had a pretty cool backyard. I wasn't brought up in a Christian family, and I knew nothing about Jesus. More than likely, Jesus would have been a cuss word in our home. I was the youngest among four siblings, and my dad's love was horses, and therefore everything revolved around the horses. Since I'm a visual person, I thought it would be good to show some photos Anyone else here visual? I hope so. I don't want to be alone. Thank you. Okay. Picture one. Photo one. Okay. Uh, oh, if I get up here. The top one with my roller skates on, I borrowed from a family friend. They were way too small, but I made them fit by curling my toes up. I would escape next door to the school and skate for what seemed like hours. It was a nice break from the horses. Uh, the birthday cake... My darling mum was no cook. However, she did her best and bought me this cake. I just don't think many eight-year-olds like, if you can guess what it would be, fruitcake. <laughs> <clears throat> Bottom right, I'm jumping, and you can see my dad watching keenly at the side. I had no helmet on, and I'm riding in gumboots, which was quite the norm back in the day. Photo two. Honestly, I was on a pony probably before I could even crawl, if you look up the very top there. And then a picture with my grandmother with the white pony. Um, was my highlight to any show or sports day would be having my grandma turn up with my mum and she'd always have a basket of treats with her, like that good old lead lemonade in that tall, dark green bottle. Anyone remember those? Yeah, it tasted so good. And then the pick with me in the, the white pony is Cossack. We had not long picked him up from Trentham in Wellington after he had just finished being filmed on a TV ad for KFC. Maybe some of the more mature and aged ones here, like myself, would remember. It was a cowboy riding into town on a white pony playing a guitar. The newspaper article is when I'm 16 and about to take a break from the horse riding circuit. Riding these ponies wasn't easy. They were hard to ride. On the day, it looked like a lot of fun, but I certainly had to put in the work prior. I would have three or four on the go all at once in the same event and jump from saddle to saddle without even touching the ground. So here, oh, next photo. So here is, sorry, the other one. Yeah, that, that's okay. 
So here is when I was nearly 17 and my dad gave me a choice, transition into a horse or sell my ponies and give up. At that age, it was a no-brainer. I wanted some freedom and to have fun with friends and therefore I gladly let my friend know who'd been planning an overseas trip, hey, I'm coming too. We got our passports, our visas, air tickets and our rat sacks packed. We were off. Mm, so we thought, returning six months later, homesick and rather broke. The next one. And that was us heading off overseas and some may recognise that, but a Walkman, which had a cassette. <laughs> but old school. <laughs> and next. Okay. I then started as a receptionist at United Realty or Ray White. I'm not sure they renamed, so which one came first? Not long after, my boss talked me into sitting my papers to be an agent. He was super keen to get me out there listing and selling, so he helped me pass them. However, looking back, it was to my detriment. As I was in the market, I felt like a fish out of water. I didn't even know a bungalow from a villa. So all those real estate agents here, a couple that I know, one being Kelly over there, you're a legend, and then Camille sitting there in the green top, who's about to launch her business, I might just say, here in the bay. <laughs> Next one. I love running. I'll never forget what a friend said to me. Megan, where you run, people take a car. And the next. Here, I'm at the BM, Auckland BMW Marathon. I finished 13th woman, sprinting to the finish. Only because I was craving a cigarette. Mm. Next. Next. I then became a travel agent at Budget Travel, and through the course of working in the travel industry, I discovered the wonderful news that I was pregnant with Brittany. Next. I'm looking pretty happy with myself here. It was day one of giving up cigarettes. Anne thought I had it sorted. However, my willpower was short-lived and maybe lasted a day or two at max. Next. Fast forward a few years and I got married. It certainly, oh gosh, certainly had its challenges. However, I was truly blessed with a miracle coming out of my marriage towards the end, my daughter Grace. Next. Whew. And then here it is. Sun oh. Sunday the 7th of September 2008, just over 15 years ago, I found myself in church, raising my hand to a salvation call. I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ and made him Lord and Saviour of my life. Only Jesus was able to save me from a state of total brokenness. Now, being honest, being honest, what you don't see in those photos, I was a mess trying to hold it all together. I was struggling with life and I don't know who I was. I was anxious, fearful and had no peace. There is absolutely no way I could have done it on my own only by the Lord's loving hand on me, guiding me, being the gentleman that he is, made it all possible. And you shall know the truth, Jesus. And the truth, Jesus, shall make you free. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. Certainly applies to my life. Taken from the book of John 8, 32 and 36. 
within the first six to 12 months, I no longer felt afraid, worthless, alone, or a people pleaser. Too scared to say no. I was set free from addictions like cigarettes, obsessive exercise, cutting my arms, and hidden eating disorders. Swinging between anorexia and bulimia from an early age of 11, and lasting right through to being saved. That's 25 long years. And do you know that it all started with a simple comment from my father? Hey, careful eating that ice cream, you won't fit your jumpers. It was likely a joke, but it stuck with me like glue until then. Praise the Lord, not by might or strength, but through the Holy Spirit, I was set free. Next photo. And here I am, a new creation in Christ, with, Christ, with Jesus Christ on the throne of my heart, no longer living behind a mask. I am a beloved daughter of God Most High. I'm forgiven, accepted, worthy, loved, and on an amazing journey. That my mind is being renewed to Christ and the old negative lies of who I thought I was are being replaced with the truth of my true identity is found in him. Here I would like to say I'm truly grateful for the body of Christ and the precious friends that God himself has placed, has placed in my path to grow with and to do life with. Like in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst. And 13, next one. Here I am, blessed with my second daughter, Grace. I once asked Grace's dad about my Christian faith, and his reply was, I'm so grateful that you let me be a part of Grace's life. I'm really proud of the way you and Brittany have brought her up. Wow, hearing that was gold. My girls and I try to keep Christ in the centre of everything. Have I messed up? Yes. <laughs> Have I made mistakes? Yes. However, I now know I'm not a mistake. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Next. And I love this photo taken at the farm before we moved here. So if the sun sets you free, you are truly free. And I'd like to end with a clip from an Israel tour that I was fortunate to go on. Joseph Prince sums up perfectly how loved and forgiven we truly are. May it bless you too. The Praise the Lord program comes to you from Jerusalem, Israel. Come on now. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness. You know what he's saying? The light that he brings is not a light to expose you and your sins and your blemishes and your shortcomings and your falling short. It is the light to show how wonderfully your sins have been removed by his precious work at the cross. It's a light to show how glorious he has made you. It's a light that brings out your preciousness. Hallelujah! Hmm. I used to cut myself because I was in relationships that were verbally abusive 
uh, I thought I was worthless, and it was my, I thought it was my way out, when it just created another problem, another guilt, but then coming across the message of grace, that he has washed me whiter than snow, that I'm loved, forever loved, by the great I am, the king of the universe, I've never looked back. the disciple whom Jesus loved. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking about me. Hey, church, look around you and be distressed, especially in the world today. Look within you and you'll be depressed. Look to Jesus and you'll be at rest. When you rest, God works. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. And he's great. Thank you very much. Well, that's going to be hard to follow. <laughs> Can I have my first slide, please? <laughs> the obligatory child photo and the next one. Uh, that's a very rare shot with me and my dad um, and my little sister on the other side, obviously. That's me there. <laughs> Uh, next slide, please. Uh, that's a proud day in my life when I, at 11 years old, I made the Auckland under-13s for rugby league. I played league right through to uh, secondary school. Skinny little boy at the back playing fullback. Uh, so scared that he ran around everybody. <laughs> next slide. My first chopper. <laughs> hey. And next slide. Uh, that's me on a V8 Indian. That's, I was 13 then. <clears throat> uh, I'm going to say a quick prayer. I'd just say, like to say, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to speak today. I'm as nervous as anything, Lord, but I know that what I say comes from my heart, it's, and it's your truth, Lord. Um, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Start with a um, piece of scripture, which is Hebrews 12.2 in the NIRV. I don't know what that is. I don't know where the R came from. Um, anyway, let us keep looking into Jesus. He is the one who started this journey of faith, and he is the one who will complete this journey of faith. I really love that. Who am I? I'm a collection of stories, some good, some bad, and some I try to forget. But I'm also a story in the making, a story with an outcome that only God knows. I hated my childhood, sexual abuse, physical abuse, and emotional abuse. I was a fearful child anxious teenager and scared adult. There were no role models in my early life. In fact, I didn't have a childhood. There was no loving parents, no prayer warriors, no safe spaces and no love and no God. These aspects of my life were going to shape my teen and early adult years. By the age of 10, I had discovered alcohol, then later on drugs, both of which were life-changing for me. When I drank, I felt like other people looked. I belonged, I was funny, I could dance like John Travolta. 
and I was fearless. I was 10 foot tall and bulletproof. My life revolved around drinking and drug taking. And I hung out with like-minded people, godless, scared, directionless, all of us. Over time, drink stopped being fun and became a necessity. It was all I thought about. I needed to be wasted to function. But I was growing sick and tired of being sick and tired. I had become a father and I stood at the crossroads. I couldn't live with it and I couldn't live without it. If any of you have ever been in this place, you'll know how desperate and lonely it is. I could be drinking with 30 other people and feel loneliness that separated from me, me from God and from man alike. I was dying of terminal uniqueness. On the 1st of July, 1989, I was at the conference. I was 26 years old. I was at a conference participating in happy hour. Bear in hand, I had an insight. It was more than an insight. I saw clearly that this one beer, that this first beer of the day, the first drink, the most dangerous of all drinks, this first beer that leads to the unknown outcomes, to remorse and humiliation, was just going to take me down the same path of destruction. For the first time in my life, I asked for help. I looked to the heavens and I asked God that if he was there, if he was real, if he cared, would he help me? please. That simple prayer led to the first miracle that I'd ever witnessed. It was the last drink I would ever have. On the 1st of July this year, it'll be 35 years. Uh, three months later, I joined Alcoholics Anonymous, not to stop drinking, but to learn to live without drugs and alcohol. I've always described my life as like having seven boiling pots and only six lids. Every time one of the things boils over, I put a lid on it, and then the other one starts to boil over. There is always one pot boiling over. For me, that was and has been on and off relationship with opioids. The drug that quietened my head, allowed me to feel safe in my own bed, and the one that felt like a warm hug from my mother. AA was the place that I truly met God for the first time. The AA program has roots in the Oxford group, which was a group of Christians who wanted some guidance, some guidelines around living better lives outside of church. They wrote six steps that helped them. Years later, Bill W. and Dr. Bob would take those steps and make them into 12 steps and help millions of people recover. Today, the 12-step program helps with everything from alcohol and drugs to gambling, shopping, and pornography addictions. The purpose of those 12 steps is to find God. AA is a spiritual program. Full stop. Jump forward five and a half years ago. I met Melanie through a few coincidences which were the handiwork of a loving God. Melanie has led me to Jesus. She deserves accolades for her love and tolerance and for the countless times she f felt I might get struck by lightning from my interpretations of Scripture. Most recently, she asked me to stop the car so she could get out. <laughs> when she brought me to church for the first time, it wasn't what I expected. No wooden pews, no hymns, no boring sermon. This place was electric, the worship loud, which is how I like it, and Eleanor's message was written for me. I really felt like I belonged, which is not something I'd experienced a lot. After the service we were leaving, Eleanor asked if she could pray for me. I didn't realize it would be out loud and very public. <laughs> 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 
it's something that I've grown to love about Eleanor, never afraid to do the Lord's work. <laughs> I was made to feel very welcome, and I slowly felt like I was part of a wider family. But I had many questions, lots of doubt and little trust. I struggled with trust. I would arrive at church late and leave early, lest someone collared me for a conversation. I am an isolator by nature, but my trust uh, has grown. So did my attendance and participation in the myriad of courses and events outside of Sunday. I began to hang out with other Christians and really liked them. <laughs> I thought you were a bunch of nerds to start with, but anyway. Good, honest people. I didn't feel like I had to look over my sh shoulder all the time and guess their motives. For me, there are events that have really impacted my journey. The first was Melanie walking with me on this journey. The second, doing an Alpha course. The third, attending Seeking God. The fourth, being invited to join a Connect group. And the fifth, doing four Freedom Prayers. Such powerful, loving spaces for me. Through these, I have found forgiveness and love for those who hurt me as a child. My journey in faith has not been linear. The enemy doesn't want me here and sits on my shoulder like a rapacious creditor. The enemy will have me back doing what I know best. He had it easy with me for many years, and I was a loyal friend to him. I have been through the gates of hell, and I do not wish it on anybody. I want to talk about youth. My love of youth in our church comes from an experience I've never had. I never had a youth. I never had God in my life as a youngster. Um, our youth leaders are loving disciples of Christ, putting others first and giving so much of, of their own time, while all the time arming our future leaders with the truth. I get to experience it on a Friday night and have met many incredible young people. The future is bright. Through all of my recent journey, good and the bad, I've had a loving and caring wife. She has faith in my journey even when I don't. Melanie has had to endure my often violent night terrors, my throwing myself out of bed, my lashing out of my sleep. But this is a lot rarer now than it used to be. I continue to pray out loud, Melanie makes me, <laughs> and the result is always far better. I also no longer have to sleep with a weapon. Those who know me well know I always had a weapon by my bed for 40, 50 years. Uh, and I got rid of, uh, got rid of, I had two weapons actually. <laughs> Both little baseball bats. Trust in God is growing. Through all of this journey, there's one thing I do know, is that I'm a work in progress. I would like to finish with a couple of quotes that I really love. There is, that, there is one that has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. And that's from the AA Big Book. And the second is, somewhere inside the balled up, walled up mass of tangled strands in the life of faith, the inscrutable God of heaven and earth has the loose ends tied. The ones that mean anything anyway. Tied securely, tied in, a, in such a way that the human tugging, doubting and fretting in the world can't loosen them. Tied in such a way that no mortal mind could calculate what God is this? Who can keep a secret so long? 
What God is this, so unhurried to prove himself, so confident of his own spotless character that he is unpressured by all of the second guessing of his own children. I am growing old now, quickly, the clock ticking. I'm not very sure of myself anymore, if, ever truly, if I ever truly was, but I'm utterly sure about one thing of my turn on this world earth a thing that is never seen, a thing I cannot prove, a thing I cannot always sense. Every inch of this harrowing journey and all of the bruising and bleeding and sobbing and pleading, my hand has been tightly knotted, safe and warm in the hand of Jesus. And all of the lettings go, he has held me fast. He will hold me still and he will lead me home. Blessed be the tie that binds. Thank you. Janita. Abby, she's already taking photos. Already, already. Everyone smile for Abby. Ready, smile for Abby. There we go. She's got it. Love it. I love hearing testimonies. I love hearing like moments where people encounter God and everything changes. And I love that those stories are being told tonight on baptism because I feel baptisms are one of those pivotal moments in life where everything changes. And I'm glad for these people tonight that they have a pool that's warm and clean and fresh. I got baptised in the Waikato River. It was freezing. It was dirty. It was a rainy day. It was pretty gross. But everything changed from there. So... How good, right? How good. So that leads me into what I'm talking about tonight. I'm going to talk about the power of the pivot. So the power of the pivot. I'm going to stuff up on the P's for sure. Absolutely. So who's ever had a moment where you've had like something stick out, like a, like a word that stuck out and you're like, oh, what is that? I remember as a kid playing that game, like the car swift game where you like watch the swifts go by and you go swift and then you gain a point and then the most person at the end of the day wins, essentially. There's pretty much no point to the game. And so... To me, like recently I've had like words or this one particular word, a word in season that I feel like has just continued to stick out in various ways and in various conversations and TV shows that I've like watched and books that I've read and it's that word pivot and I don't know why. I'm trying to still explore it. So here we are. Here we are exploring it with you. So welcome to the exploring. <laughs> um, when I first started hearing this thought, it was around when I went to see my best friend in Auckland, and she's like really fit. She's like, she's so fit, and she's a good runner. She's a good biker, and she wanted to, like, all of a sudden do a half Ironman, and I was like, "Girl, you're crazy!" And so all of a sudden, it turned into our hangs being super chill, going to cafes, and it ended up being these like really intense swimming trainings that we'd do. And she would take me to the pool and we'd do like 100 laps and we'd just keep going and going and going. She's like, yeah, it's been two hours. Cool. We'll just keep going. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're crazy. But what I know about swimming, um, having done it basically my whole life, is that at the end of each lap, you hit a wall. And to keep going, you've got to like somersault under the water. You've got to like flip and you've got to push off to continue the race. And... I found myself like being this real cool, like encouraging friend, and then I turned into like a video of what you're about to see. It's not me, but it explains exactly what I was like to my friend. Yeah, yeah. 
Woo! You know what? Just, just follow my lead. Okay. Come on, Chandler. All right. Okay. There we go. All right. Ready? Turn. Okay. Turn. Turn. Well, come on, up, 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 up. <laughs> yes. Here we go. Pivot. 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 I love it. It's so iconic, friends. How good. So I went from being super chill to basically like yelling at my friend who had never done a like a Tumbleton before being like, pivot, pivot, like so she could hear me underwater. So I went super crazy. But we all encounter moments in our life where we need to change direction. We need to shift our mindset and adapt to the new six circumstances, whether it's facing challenges in our schools or navigating relationships or figuring out what we're even going to do in life. Learning to pivot is such a valuable skill that we all need to learn. In an interview that I watched of Richie McCaw, I'm pretty sure most people in the room know who he is, he quoted, if you want something you've never had, you've got to do something different. And the All Blacks wanted a new result. They wanted to like win the World Cup. And so they made a pivot. They made a change in what they were doing in their training, and it changed the future outcomes. So I believe there is power in our pivot. A pivot allows us to change perspective. A pivot allows us to be change in position. A pivot allows you to walk into your promise. And just as we pivoted in the pool, we can also encounter moments in our spiritual journey where we need to also pivot. Um, so in the Bible, I want to talk about Joshua 6. And so before, just like a lead up as a pre-moment to Joshua 6, Moses, we know Moses, he's a guy of miracles. He brings people out of slavery. He sees lots of miracles happening where he parts the sea, he gets water out of rocks, he crosses rivers, and eventually he kind of, like as time goes on, he dies. And all of the anointing and all of the promises that were given to Moses has now landed in the hands of Joshua. If I was Joshua, I'd be freaking out at that point. But old mate Joshua, um, as the new leader of the Israelites, now stands in the same promises, and he begins to walk his people to um, Jericho, close to the promised land. They were stopped, however, and they were challenged. So this is where we kind of pick it up in Joshua 6. In verse 1, it, re it reads, The gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went in and no one came out. Now, I'm not sure about you, but on first glimpse, you'd be like, yeah, we're finally here. And then you'd be like, oh, cool. Another, another wall. Yay. Cool. Another challenge. Um, but it looked like out of reach. The promise looked out of reach. The promise looked out of bounds. It's believed the, the walls of Jericho were massive. They were barred. They were strong. They were so high. They were double width. They were deep that there would be no way that someone could walk through it or walk over it. But... God, and that's what I love about this story, but God, only God knew about how to pivot a people powerfully into the promise. Let me say that again because that was too many Ps. Only God knew how to pivot a people powerfully into the promised land, which I love. And it says in Joshua 2, it continues to say, well, God says this, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. To me, this reads as like a statement of like future tense, whereas if I was Joshua, I'd be like, yo, God, like, 
I'm here and like it's still the same. Like I remember my mum would be like, dinner time. And so you'd run to the kitchen and like there'd be no dinner. She's like, I'm just planning it up. And I'm like, no, where's dinner? I feel like this is almost like the same thing. It's like, it's like, yay, I promised you. And then, ah, oh, snap, just joking. But I have, but you will see it eventually. Joshua knew that the wall in front of him was big, but it's here in the story that, that God pivots Joshua. Before engaging in the battle, Joshua received specific instructions from God on how to conquer Jericho. So in verse 3, it continues, March around the city once with all the unmen. Do this for six days. So basically, he's telling Josh to pivot, to turn, to not just look at the wall in front of him, but pivot and move. God didn't say walk. He said march. Now, I see kids walk into school like all the time, going like, oh, yeah. Like, and they walk slowly, and I'm like, yeah, they're excited to be here. And then you see other kids, they like march their way, they like stampede into school. Very few, not too many, but they do march. And marching is like intentional, it's like an intense, like deliberate thing that you do. God saw a way around the wall that Joshua didn't see. Joshua led the Israelites and followed God's instructions precisely. He demonstrated faith and obedience by following through. And after six days, the story reads, and it's like, miraculously, the, the walls of Jericho fell. It's so easy to see the walls in front of you in life. Joshua didn't look at the walls for too long. He looked at his creator, and his creator moved powerfully in his response. It says in Scripture, what is possible for man is possible for God. They were promised the land. It says in the word, like, you will have land, or the land will be yours. God always keeps his promise. I think we've always got to be reminded of that. Pivoting requires resilience and the ability to embrace change. It's about being flexible and open-minded. And even when faced with setbacks or unexpected challenges, Joshua had all of these qualities and he was able to pivot, which I love. But we can't do it in our own strength. Like slowly, it will kill us. And so we need to look and we need to listen to God, just like Joshua did. And it says in the Psalms in 121, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the... I'm so glad you know. The story of Joshua and the walls of Jericho is often interpreted as a powerful testament to the faithfulness of God and the importance of trusting in his guidance, even when it seems unusual and frightening and super unrealistic. It illustrates how obedience and faith work together and can lead to miraculous outcomes and reminders. Or it reminds us that with God, all things are possible. So my question is, what walls are you facing? Where do you find yourself in front of the wall? Like my friend learning to tumble turn. At 25 meters, there's like without a doubt you have to turn. Like you just have to. If you want to do more than 25 meters, you've got to turn. And so to keep, you have to pivot. You have to change direction to continue the race. Quitting is not always an option, but pivoting can be the very thing that you need to do to continue the race, whether that be in the pool, whether that be in life, whether that be in any situation that you're in. I'm on like a little bit of a like ice bath, like cold shower vibe at the moment, which I know is pretty cliche for the world we're in, but like in the shower, the handle that you use to change the temperature, I started off at being really warm and then it only takes a little pivot and then it's real cold, and then it's like, a little bit more, a little bit more. Now I just go straight to it. But at the start, when I was kind of testing it out, the little pivots make the world of difference. And I think sometimes we can 
overemphasizing, being like, the pivot in my life means I'm moving to Greece. And they may be your pivot, and that's great. But some pivots might just be quite small in the daily things that you do. Um, sometimes you have to seek wisdom in those spaces. Like, you need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's like you're in a toxic environment, and yes, you need to quit and get out of that. But there might be some other times where all, the, all you need to do is pivot. For me, one of my most recent pivots this year has been just about a shift in my thinking. And me and Shannon, wherever Shannon is, who knows? Um, in the back, of course. Shannon, oh, in the mother's room, classic. Um, me and Shannon, every, every morning, we, we send like five things that we're thankful for. And I send it to her and she sends it back. And even in the short space of a month or so, I've seen and noticed like a shift in my thinking about how I approach the day. And so for me, that's been like a pivot for me. It's being like, I really need to work on that. And so it's always really encouraging when Shannon sends you stuff back. You're like, cool, yeah, like that. And it's just, it's just a really great way um, to do it. So this year, 2024, um, I'm going to explore some more pivots. And I don't know what that is, but pivots is the word. And my favorite movie is The Lion King. Anyone else like The Lion King? Oh, the greatest movie of all time. One, the music. Two, the storyline. All good. Um, but we know in the story that Simba, like, is destined to be king. And he, like, doesn't get it straight away because Scar goes, you're a liar and you killed your dad and you're nothing. And so Simba just, like, runs away. And he lives this carefree, living his best life with his mates in the rainforest. I presume it's a rainforest. Who knows? And then later on in life, he comes across Nala, his friend, and she's like, hey, like, you really need to come home. Like, you really need to come home. Like, the world's crazy at home. And then all of a sudden, through the wisdom of, like, is it Rafiki? The wise, I'm going to say monkey, but it's not. You know what I'm talking about. That animal that's halfway through. He, like, encourages Simba to pivot away from the lie that he'd been learning his whole life and to confront his past and return home. And in that moment when he returns home, the promised land is like brought back to life. And I love that imagery of just the pivot, like brings back the promise. And I love that. So to finish, as we navigate the waters of life and we march around the walls and we turn away from the lies, tonight I want to encourage you that there's, piv- or there's power in that very pivot moment that you make in your everyday. Whether we're swimming in the pool or if we're facing challenges in our spiritual journey, or pursuing personal growth, we have the ability to pivot, to change direction, and overcome obstacles and embrace new opportunities. Like Joshua in the walls of Jericho, let's trust in God's guidance and step forward in faith. So I encourage you to embrace the pivot. Everyone say pivot. Love it. And watch as the miracles unfold in your life. That's it. So, just because we've watched the movie Friends, it's time to be friendly. So, while we get the baptism pool ready, how about you say hello to someone and do your best impersonation of Pivot? 